Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Joel Clark and Adam Balderstone for another episode of Horror Express. And tonight we're doing Return of the Living Dead, a 1985 horror film directed by Dan O'Bannon. And uh, it's kind of a, I don't know, punk rock zombie movie is how I would describe it. Uh, I think most people have seen it. I don't know, is, it, is this a movie that people haven't seen now, or is this a film that everybody still knows? Ooh, am I... I... Since I'm the youngest here, am I supposed to be the guy that's in touch with? You're the, the one that's in touch with the younger generation. Not me. Oh yeah. God. <laughs> um, I, I would say it's it's a cult movie. I, I don't think that a, a ton of people have seen this. Not not like okay. I don't think it's com- comparable as far as like uh, comparing it to like the classic zombie movies. Uh, the okay. Night of the Living Dead is one that I think that you could safely say everyone has seen. This one, I don't know. Uh, it took me, so, I think. 15 years after watching Night of the Living Dead to finally actually watch wow. this movie. Okay. And uh, it was because I'm a guy who looks for slightly more obscure movies. So, no, I, oh, wow. I want to say it's a cult movie. Uh, so I, don't, when, I think it's well known, but not necessarily broadly watched. When I was young, this was a big film. But I'll, what I'll do is I'll read the uh, the synopsis on the Wikipedia page. is actually really concise and good, so I'll read that. It basically says, The film tells the story of how a warehouse owner, accompanied by his two employees, mortician friend, and a group of teenage punks, deal with the accidental release of a horde of brain-hungry zombies onto an unsuspecting town over the 4th of July weekend. I would just add that it's the, the thing that causes it is these military canisters that are tied to the plot of, of Night of the Living Dead because the movies have a background that's sort of shared where uh, the, uh, um, the, the guy who co-wrote Night of the Living Dead retained the rights for the Living Dead title, right? Was that is that it? That he had the he had the Living Dead rights, and so he was able to use it. And somehow, this script went through a bunch of people, and we ended up with this. But that's I think where the genesis of it is, and I think that's why the plot line is sort of this concept of Night of the Living Dead in this movie is supposed to be based on real events that happened, but they were changed because the chemical company that was responsible for the chemical that we see in this movie that causes the zombies, like went after the writer. Just like, you do not make that movie about this or we're going to sue you. And so they changed all the details. Um, and it's kind of, I don't know. That's to me, that's really the central premise of the movie is that, but I don't know. How, what, what's, what, what's your guys' thoughts on this movie now? You know, how, how, and I know Joel, you've, you, you didn't see it when it first came out, but you know. Okay. Uh, well, I'm, it, it's an, impossible not to invite the comparison between this and Night of the Living Dead, right? Because they, in, when you watch this movie, when I watch it especially, like, it, that was at the forefront of my mind. Even the movie itself invites the comparison. And it invites it in this kind of like jeering way where it's like, oh, yeah, that Night of the Living Dead, that's a stupid movie, but it's based on real and actually scary events. And yeah. then this movie comes out swinging with these these canisters filled with this horrific chemical that turns you into like like way more monstrous of a zombie than the ones that were in <laughs> that movie. And everything is like cranked up to 11 and super intense and like it's horrifying in – a way that's even more visceral if that's possible than seeing your loved ones rise up and try to eat you. You know, uh, I really liked this movie. Uh, it's, it's a classic in my estimation and it's, it's intense enough that even as a modern, like extremely jaded dude, like I'm the kind of dude that watches Jerry Barta and David Lynch and stuff like that. Even considering that this, this movie was like intense enough that I was really taken aback by it, uh, which is great uh, when you're watching a horror movie. So that was my impression. 
Yeah, well, as someone that watched this back in the day, uh, it's very, uh, it's it's very different than Night. Start with the comparison thing. I mean, as far as Night of the Living Dead, Night of the Living Dead is very grounded in a way. It just yeah, has I mean, that feel of being almost, almost a documentary almost feel to it, where it's just you're kind of watching these events. Oh, sorry about that. That's okay. For bigging everyone there, uh, <laughs> but uh, um, but. Yeah, but this this is this is very over. This is a very '80s horror movie. Yes. It's extremely '80s. I mean, not just the punk rock element. Just that there was just this kind of fun element to horror in the '80s that yeah. uh, that I really like, where it's it's verging into comedy a lot of the time. I mean, it's a very funny movie on top of having some genuinely it, creepy stuff in it. It's a genuine and, comedy. This one, I think, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, and it's. It's interesting too. I mean, bringing Dan Bannon and Dan O'Bannon into it is, I, I, I just, you know, having watched a lot of his movies on this podcast, he's done Life Force, Alien. Yeah. I really like, I, you know, I talked about Night of Living Dead is more grounded, but Dan O'Bannon also just has this feeling of workplace situations. Yeah. I mean, the people working it, watching it this time, the characters in the warehouse were my favorite characters. Well, the yeah. guy and the funeral director across the street. It's just. Even as ridiculous and over the top as this movie is, there was just this grounded sense of, yeah, these being these real people dealing with this incredibly crazy situation and which is is contrasted with these, you know, punk punk type characters, kids that are just, that are really over the top. And I just I just really like the combination of that. It's just these different flavors that are working really well together. Yeah, I mean, to me, this movie, I, I saw it when I was a kid. I, I, I saw it on video. I didn't see it in the theater, but it was right when it came out. It was probably mm-hmm. my first real zombie movie that I remember seeing. Maybe I had seen Night of the Living Dead before that, but, uh, you know, I don't remember. But this I remember seeing, and it it scared the crap out of me, number one. the um uh What's the, what's the, the one that was in the tank? What do they call him? Oh, He's the Tar Man? Tar Man. The Tar Man yeah. scared the crap out of me. I don't know why. I just... I found him horrifying. I also, I, I, and, 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 uh, and also it was the, the way the movie ends with, um, with the detonation of a, of a nuke on the city. (laughs) To me, that, that was the most horrifying part of the film was the resolution was that, you know, Oh, nobody lives happily ever after. And this, they all get killed. Everybody that you were rooting for dies. And by the way, nuclear weapons are a thing that can destroy holes. You know, it's sort of like, that was my introduction to 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 the to, to atomic catastrophe oh, okay. as an idea so um so that but also yeah. existential horror for you wow i well i think it's uh also just i think in general like i don't think there's a zombie movie that scares me more than this one but also not a horror comedy that makes me laugh as much as this one does yeah so it's it's, it's... It, it just hits every button just right and the character development is really good the character performances are outstanding like mm-hmm. i could i could watch what's his name the guy who played bert all day just t- you know just ch- chatting with people just like basically only looking out for himself and kind but but doing uh-huh. it in this folksy way that makes you think he really exactly. has everybody else's best interest in mind and and the frank character like he's the one who delivers the exposition in the beginning and the way that he's just kind of he's not a very serious person and how that leads into all the stuff that happens with him whacking the canister and you know, the whole, you know, this is army Corps of engineers and you know, yeah. (laughs) But then he also has the most serious send off in a way. He's the one who sacrifices himself in the end. So 
but uh but also to some of the stuff adam was saying i was thinking more about the the, the dan o'bannon element to this because when i saw it i had no idea who the guy was and, no you know mm-hmm. and now and like we've been watching a lot of his movies back to back and so there's more connections that i can see and like obviously there's a lot of bar- body horror because this is the first zombie movie where i was aware of the pain of the zombies do you know what i mean there's like the physical yeah. pain that the zo- like he actually makes zombies sympathetic which is and he does it in a way that's not like you know how other zombie movies would attempt to do that, if that makes sense, by having like a character that you know become a zombie or something like that. No, he he has like a the most rotted, fetid zombie plucked on a table, <laughs> and just because she's explaining how they're in pain, how that's why they need to eat the brains and all that. Um, the zombies can talk, so they're intelligent, but that doesn't make them less horrifying. Um, but also, I was thinking of like Life Force and how that movie's kind of centered around a naked woman walking around all the time, and how that's kind of like the trash character becomes almost like she's almost like the leader of the zombies in the movie. Do I mean not quite, but that's kind of the she's sort of the figurehead, and mm-hmm. and the way that you know. So I think Dan O'Bannon he has like a there there are just threads that are clearly you know his style throughout the movie. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I I I think it's uh. Uh, I don't know. Th- th- this is one of these movies. Like when I, I'll give you an example of what I think encapsulates the movie. When you have the cadaver in the bot in the, in the in the in the, uh, the freezer at the at the warehouse, and it starts to animate during the mu- the music intro, and it's mm-hmm. but it, it, that's I don't know. I find that really creepy. The the movie ha- it's like comedic, but it's also really frank about death. Do you know what I mean it's sort of like. Everybody is going to die one day is, is kind of how I would like if this movie has a theme, I think that's the, the theme is that yeah, death well, is inevitable. It's, you know? it's, it's, it's unflinching at the same time that it, it's willing to go for laughs too. I mean, yeah. you know, like one of the, one of the creepy scenes that's always stuck for me is the half dogs, the oh, half yes. dog that comes to life. And it's like, which they then have to kill. And it's like, anytime you do something horrible to a dog in a movie, you're, you know you're really trying to mess with the audience. So yeah. it's... <laughs> and yet there's the comedy of when they hit it, it squeaks and and yes. ye- yelps like a dog. And so... Exactly. You know. It's just all the, the most horrible things and the funniest things in this movie are just so intertwined in a great way. It's perfect. Or like when they when they first encounter a zombie and try to destroy its brain and it just doesn't work. There's like that comedy beat where they they hit it in the skull and then it's like it gets back up and they're like, oh oh no. What uh, makes I love that moment. What makes that okay? So what makes that scene work is is uh, Bert's like confidence. Like he gets like these other guys are freaking out, right? Like Frank is a disaster and the new guy on the job. I forget the character's name, but the new the the kid that's working there is was. He's so this was he was he Freddie was that his name Freddie? Oh, I can't remember the names but, of the characters. But, but the new guy. Yeah. So so but 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 Bert is all confident and Frank is a disaster and Frank is orchestrating <laughs> everything and he's like you just take this and you beat him in the head and the, and he's basing it all on the movie logic that he had and then it just doesn't work and then Frank freaks out and the monster the the zombies on the ground pinned there and they have to saw its head off. And they and they end up at the end of it. They just end up with these bags of wiggling parts that they have to take to the mortician. And, <laughs> it's weasels. Uh. <laughs> but like everything they do weasel. doesn't work and just makes it worse and worse. Do you know what I mean? That's what I I think is yeah is so horrifying well, I, about it. Oh God, 
I, I love that both for horror and comedy sake because it is kind of a comedy of errors. Yeah. But the implications of it are so grotesque and and uh, and frightening that it's it still retains its horror. It's amazing, and it's amazing that sometimes the same thing is both. Like when the dog is whining when they try to smash the the like the half dog animated monster. That's disgusting and heartbreaking and also hilarious at the same yeah. time in the exact same moment. And this movie knows how to do that over and over and over again. Like when when they immolate the body parts. And there's this sense of horror to the idea that they're immolating this thing. And then it goes up in the smoke and rains down. And then suddenly everyone's covered in this caustic zombie causing chemical. That's a comedy move. And it's also terrifying to think about. Well, what this movie, all this movie just does a good job too of binding the music and the vibe to the, to the celluloid, because every time that happens, it plays this zombie making music. That's like, Mm. you know, very, very eighties. There's a very eighties quality to it, It but it's also like, dissonant and discomforting and it's just it's something about it uh but it's also got like a i don't know like a groove do you know what i mean there's like a the... it kind of reminded me of the gremlins soundtrack like the gremlins had like a theme mm-hmm. and it had that same kind of like it was almost a playful energy with the gremlins yeah. you know mm-hmm. and this has something of that in it where there's something kind of fun about that that's even though it's a frightening sound it kind of gets you pumped. Yeah, that's that's know? why I was calling it zombie making music because it's kind of like okay, you know the zombies are coming, and it's creepy, but it, it just was I don't know I like that like when they first open the canister that's when the music starts, and then when they put the bags of the dead weasels, the rabid weasels into the, <laughs> you know that 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 uh that that causes it, and then at the end after the nuke when the rain is coming down they do it again, and so you're programmed by the end of the movie anytime you hear that music you know that zombies are being made. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, I, I don't know. I just I like that. It's it's kind of like an iconic element of the film. Um, yeah, and I agree. I agree with the Gremlins comparison too. It does have that similar energy going of just being really dark and hilarious at the same time. And it was different. But, uh, it was a different composer too. It was two composers. It was Matt Clifford and Francis Haynes. Um, I actually think that this movie does the dark comedy much better than Gremlins because it's a it's not afraid to go much much darker than Gremlins and more grotesque and actually frightening. Gremlins never really left the realm of fun to me. There was nothing really scary about it. This movie actually is not afraid to get scary, and so its comedy hits are even deeper. So I it's, like that. it's not afraid to get grotesque. It's not afraid to cross. It crosses any line it wishes. Really, I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you know, j- just look, j- you know, like like half of it is set in like a mortician's office, you know, and there's just like all kinds of dark humor in there. And there's, you know, just the, you know, the, the mortician has a gun, which he's you know, ready to use at the drop of a hat. You know, there's, there's a, uh, you know, so and again, and like the characters, like, you know, like the scene where they introduce the punks. And I, I think the lead punk's name is Suicide. And, you know, he gets in an argument with the guy in the back seat and just starts choking him. And then, you know, it's just, it's just this, you know, there's this disregard for boundaries throughout the movie is I think what I'm getting at. Um, yeah. Thinking about I was going to it's, it's one of the few movies with punks in it from the eighties that punks actually like too. I think okay. it's something it's like, you know, most of the what? time, like, 
Most of the time you have like punks in movies, they were, I mean, obviously they are cartoonish in their movie, but they're yeah. cartoonish in a way that punks find funny as opposed to just being like, oh, we're generic, yeah. we're generic thugs, but now we have mohawks. And, well, yeah. well, there's like the scene where suicide is in the, in the cemetery with trash and she's doing her like nudie dance and she's yeah. trying to come on to him and he's sitting there going like, this isn't just a costume. This is like a, yeah. you know, you know. <laughs> You know, and he's... It's, it's 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 simultaneously making making fun of punks, but in a way that a lot of punks can actually enjoy. So yeah, it, uh, and and also yeah. the character displays some integrity because he sort of rebuffs her advances and it's like show some respect for the de-. like you know like like yeah. this the the head punk guy has some boundaries himself that he won't cross. Um, yeah, yeah, he's 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 not. I mean, it's there's not a whole lot of character to him we see, but what we do see, it, it, it is, it is an intriguing character. It's yeah. like, he works. He's someone you believe in. Well, he's also the biggest one and the most ferocious. Like he's the guy who smashes open the gates to the cemetery. He's the uh, one that doesn't, he doesn't like, he doesn't really seem afraid when even like right before he gets bitten, but they kill yeah. him right away. And that instantly makes it like more terrifying. Cause yeah. now you have the, the remaining characters are not, uh, you know, not really, good at defending themselves we'll say um you know at least compared to him uh but yeah i don't know i i, I thought uh um I, I i thought that the punk element was interesting it's actually called a a mordant punk movie is what is sort of the hmm. the the language that has been applied to this film um, yeah yeah but uh but yeah so the other thing that i liked about this movie is how it and you said this in in your overview of it but how like it's a, it's a first day on the job kind of movie. Do you know what I mean? Like the, we're, we're yeah. watching this character who this is his first day and, and, uh, uh, what's the, not, not Bert, Frank, Frank, uh, is, exp- he's, he's walking him through all of these steps. And it's, it's like, if you ever had a job like that, these are things, it's, it's the sort of stupid stuff that you have to learn. Like, Oh, here, this is our system for filing these things. And you just have to do it this way, even though it doesn't, you know, so he's got a, you know, he has like an, uh, an alphabetical system for the skeletons and PT stands for perfect teeth. And, and then, but then it leads to like all this interesting diet. It's almost like Tarantino, like where, where yeah, Frank is yeah, talking to yeah. him and he's like, he's like, you know, so, so the, there's an order for a skeleton with perfect teeth. And, the, and then he's like, you know, these all come from India. Right. And he's like, he's like, let me ask you something. Have you ever seen a, you know, a, a dead person with perfect teeth? He's like, what's going on with these skeletons? He's got this whole theory <laughs> that he, that he builds up, you know? Yeah. It, it reminded kind of, it reminded me a little bit of repo man too. It's got a <laughs> yeah, similar yeah, vibe to yeah. that. Where there's the guy there who's just got the theories about where do all these people, you know, I don't know. There's just all these crazy. It, it does have a vibe it's, that is close to repo man. I think, yeah, I think that's a reasonable, yeah. it's, a reasonable is, comparison. Uh, no, but that's, oh man. Yeah. I, I, I really like that whole setup at the beginning. It just, it just, like I said, it's just, it's the same way with alien. You've just got this crew and you feel there's these people just doing their, this job before you get into everything going horribly wrong. But uh, well, yeah. also kind of, I, I was thinking about this totally. It really sets up the movie too, because it's morbid and there's this element yes. of like humanity yeah. and comedy to it. That's actually kind of yes. impressive. Yeah, it, that's, that's true. And, and yeah. the, the, there's Bert and then the, the mortician's name is Ernie. And so there's like a Bert and Ernie yeah, thing going. There's all kinds of little puns. There's a there's a the, in the background the eye chart. If you look, if you read the eye chart, it says like Bert is a slave driver. And there's more to it beyond that. But like it's a whole series of things. 
you know, there's just sprinkled throughout the movie. You'll find all these little jokes for the audience to find. Um, but yeah, I, I love the mortician character. I think he's, uh, I don't know. He just has a stark look that fits the role. Number one, but something about once that character is introduced, that's when the movie, I think really starts to gel as a, as a film. And also he provides important information about the zombies themselves. And I think, you know, that that's probably something that we should talk about is these are different zombies than other kinds of zombie movies. And it also was a lot of, a lot of firsts in this movie in terms of taking zombies in a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah I, another thing that I kind of like about that element, um, and it does sound, a little trick that I think that really good horror movies do, um, where they, they kind of sweep the rug out from under the audience and they kind of, they make sure that you're never really sure of what ground you're standing on because it, it very deliberately sets up your expectations about zombies within the yeah. framework of the movie and the characters. And mm -hmm. then one by one, it knocks down all of your ideas. Cause I, I could, I could see a group of people being like, okay, we're, we've encountered a zombie. Let's try this. Oh, that didn't work. Okay. Yeah. Let's cut it to pieces. Okay. That didn't work. Okay. Let's burn it. Okay. That made it worse. <laughs> yeah. And like one by one, everything that they could have reasonably done is shown to be the worst thing they could possibly have done. And the audience is along for the ride with them. And so yeah. you as an audience member are consistently being surprised by the movie. And for a horror movie, that's great. And for a comedy movie, that's great, too. And mm -hmm. it's amazing that they understood the, that they could have the same framework apply so well to these two almost opposite kind of uh, feelings. It's, it's really fantastic. Yeah. Well, And I guess yeah. the only thing they could have done was call the number on the canister – at the very beginning when they of the do movie. that it that makes it the worst though yeah well exactly. we don't well well the it's... thing is it sounds it's a little unclear but it seemed to me like they wouldn't have launched the nuke unless the canister had been opened and and something had happened to it i think their original plan well, was to obtain the canisters here's oh yeah if they oh you're talking about like when they when they first received the uh yeah or before yeah, he before smacked it before yeah, yeah yeah i i well yeah i agree with that i was saying once it's released cuz the thing is the zombies in this are scarier than Romero zombies because Romero zombies, which you can, you know, you know, you, you basically can kill them by shooting them in the head. It's like my, my question with most zombie movies, I'm like, well, I really don't think zombies could overrun the whole world because, I mean, if you can shoot them in the head, it's mm. like, you know, they could they could do a lot of damage. But I feel like we get things like like I mean, obviously, the original Night of the Living Dead does do that. You yeah. have all the people that show up at the end. And I mean. If you pretend the sequels don't exist, your impression at the end of Night of the Living Dead is that everything does kind of normalize towards the end, yeah. even if you don't quite see it. Whereas with these, with these ones, you can't, you, you know, anything you do, parts of their body keep going. I mean, once that gets yeah. loose, I don't know. It really is a horrible, horrible situation that I think would be, you know, I mean, so the nuking at the end actually makes sense in this. It's like, well, it's horrible, but... I yeah, know, that was probably the only thing you could do. So no, it, it, that's it. That's the 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 movie. You know, every solution just leads to a worse and worse outcome. So it, it, it you yeah. know, it's like a mushroom cloud of disaster. You know, it makes sense. But like yeah. when I saw it as a kid, I had no idea. I had no idea it was going in that direction. I thought, oh, 
the army's gonna come and save the day and then i'm like wait why is he what's what's with the the codes and you know it is yeah <laughs> of course I, i'd say a lot of that it does go back to romero yeah. though because the crazies a romero movie does have a similar situation mm -hmm. where the solution is nuke em. okay <laughs> but i hadn't seen that at that time so this was oh like, i know yeah oh i, I was i was saying that but i'm saying yeah just, just something occurred to me i'm like you know i think about it it's, it's interesting making the romero comparison because mm -hmm. romero did a movie with a, a similar even darker ending because so, that <laughs> well something too about the energy of the um the guy that's doing the codes in the artillery thing like that as a kid i just i just remember yes. being that was some something about that i found jarring i don't know what it you know maybe i just don't know enough about military life or whatever but it just seemed like well this guy's excited to to be punching in these codes and you know <laughs> very lively and then boom you know but uh yeah it's, it's it is the way they handle yeah. that it's, no. it's just the, the whole tone of it is perfect i will say the overall special effect for the atom bomb or i don't know i don't know what kind of nuke it's supposed to be but it was not the most impressive uh you know you know it, was, it, it, it looks small on the screen i'll say that it didn't look yeah. as big as it yeah. could have looked um but uh but also i love that you know i love that after they do it the rain starts falling and the, you know the you know, it's sort of back to it just, it's just this problem that just seems like it's going to keep expanding outward. And, uh, exactly. and the president's going there, like, you know, they resolved it. I don't know why you would send the president to a place you just knew, but like, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, but what I like about the zombies too, is that they, uh, they're tactical. They're tactical. They, uh, they're not just smart enough to talk. They're smart enough to get on the radio and say, send more paramedics. Yeah. <laughs> and they're smart enough to like set a trap for the police so that when uh -huh. the police come, there's a, you know, there's one of them is, I guess a dead cop or somebody dressed as a cop who stops them. And then they just all attack the cars from either side. You know, it's just this, it, it, it's uh, I, I, I think that makes, makes them a lot more scary that they're, that they're that, that intelligent. Um, and they're also like, you know, they have like a, I don't know, they have a motivation that's sort of understandable, even if it's horrifying, you know? Well, so. yeah. Well, the, the, I mean, the thing this movie does, too, with the, the they're in pain unless they're eating brains thing, too, puts it in interest. Because, I mean, the being intelligent can to an extent it's like well they're still they're, they haven't become completely inhuman in the way right. that zombies do but it's it makes it even it makes it a horrible fate in a different way than uh than it, it does with the traditional romero zombie where the personality's just gone they're kind of like vampires on uh, crystal meth you know yes <laughs> because they yeah. have the same the, the same kind of curse is manifesting where they they have to victimize a human being to to survive but like it's so much more ludicrous because they're cracking people's skulls and eating their brains. And like, it, there's nothing romantic or beautiful about these guys. They're just rotting, horrible corpses. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it's like the most extreme version of vampires ever. And frankly, like there's an existential terror to the idea of like, I can't die. I have to live in horrific agony for all eternity. And the only thing that makes me feel better is ripping open people's skulls and eating <laughs> the sweet pink meat inside. I guess it's great before you cook it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh... But... <laughs> gotta get the color of brain matter right. I've gotta keep my zombie movie cred here. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. <laughs> One thing I also like is how they... Uh, the... the uh, I'm trying to remember the the young man's name, the uh, the Teddy no Freddie character and uh, and 
and and Frank, they uh, the way that they slowly reveal that they're dead. Do you know what I mean that that oh, yeah. is good? Um, you know, oh, yeah. you're room temperature, and then they, you know, there's this whole thing that they. It's just I don't know because uh, it's it's like even when you hear that it's sort of you're sort of in denial even as a viewer until you get all the facts and then and then there's this sort of brief discussion kind of about well what is life exactly like technically you're dead but you know dead people don't walk around and move around so you know like yeah well it, it lets you sit on it enough to kind of like pick at it intellectually but it never lets it sit there or get analyzed enough that you realize how farcical it is and i, I like yeah. that it knows when to, to pull yeah. back from that and put them into the oven. It's like, here's another horrible thing to do. And and you had mentioned, too, the, the meth thing. And they kind of invoke that when uh, um, mm. when Ernie is going to the door, to, when the punks come to the house. And he says, are you high? Are you on PCP? And he's got the gun drawn. To me, that because I remember PCP was like the big drug you used to hear <laughs> about. You know, and it was like that and crack were the big ones in the 80s that I remember. Yeah, well, hearing. PCP was like before crack. This was, was it? Exactly. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, I think PCP went back to the 70s. Okay. And it was still at this point. I think I say this was right around the line where crack was starting to supersede PCP as the but, uh, generic movie drug of choice. But I remember there was this real terror and fear of this, you know, threat of people high on drugs that yeah. were that were like if you see it like in scarface like the whole thing is he's so high he's invulnerable to uh-huh. you know what I mean? and that was that was the sort of thing that i think they were kind of invoking with with a lot of this you know but uh and then that was like i don't know i just remember that being in the air at the time that was something that like even as a kid you heard you know you just heard that people were like so high that they could you know go on a rampage and nobody could stop them that they wouldn't die until like 20 minutes later or something i remember hearing that yeah that, you know. Well, Back it's... when uh, my grandfather was a cop and, and the, participating in the war on drugs, yeah, that was a that was well, one the, of the urban legends. Yeah, during the Reagan years, there literally was an office in the White House that basically was pushing. It was involved with Hollywood that was trying to get anti-drug mm. messages into every single movie. That was just all okay. they did was try. So there literally was this. This, this lobbying by the government to get these things put like you know so basically every studio was looking for excuses to, get, to put anything like that in, in movies in this case i don't know how effective an anti-drug message it was. i don't i think the 80s proved that none of that was effective. no it did it did it did <laughs> still love drugs so yeah. well well it's just that we had so many of these um very special episodes where the kids would do it just and then like our generation yeah. became like the biggest drug users of all the generations so it was you know there are drugs Yes. Well, no, yeah. no. Here's what happened. They over we're getting on a sidetrack, but they oversold the <laughs> idea that drugs were these dangerous things that would like lead to disaster if you tried them. And then people discovered, oh, I can smoke marijuana and nothing bad has happened to me. The first twenty times. Well, <laughs> what it, else were yeah. you lying about, government? But that's well, it's more about like adults. It's sort of like, oh, the adults were lying to us. Was kind of the you know. It, you know, it's it's sort of like you know what's a good comparison. Yeah. It's sort of like if you lie to kids about Santa, how can you expect them to believe in God next? Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. like it's the yeah, same that kind. Was, of... That was a that was a moment for me. But yeah, uh, yeah. Well, they're doing it again. There's like a there's like this this poster on a bus stop near me where it's like it's like vaping is as dangerous as jumping out of an airplane without a parachute. It's literally yeah. what the ad says, and I'm like. <laughs> 
No, <laughs> yeah. no, it really isn't. I yeah. mean, I think you should discourage kids from vaping, but no, it's it's not. Yeah, the hyperbole isn't actually going to help. Because yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. in the short run, it just causes confusion because, like, you're lying, you yeah. know? Even if you're lying for a good cause, you're still lying. You've and and so it's confusion. Yeah. Right, and then in the long run, the lie gets revealed and you're just damaging the, the underlying trust of the actual truth you're trying to push, which is don't vape, it's bad for you. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah, it's like I'm all for the uh, purpose they're going for, but I'm like, man, you're making the same yeah. mistake yeah, they made when I cigars like a real man. Well, exactly. <laughs> but uh, vaping is for children. Oh, well. <laughs> don't, don't vape, kids. Uh, well, that probably would have had a, more of an impact as if you, you know, make it out to be like a childlike thing. I remember yeah. I had a teacher who used to say that, you know, he used to compare smoking to having a pacifier. And that actually kind of had an impact yeah, on me. Romantic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's so much better. Yeah, um, yeah that, like, that, that's more effective. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid watching uh, the Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Baby Herman having a cigar. Like that <laughs> contrast kept me from smoking cigars until my late 20s. So that's the most effective anti-smoking ad I ever saw was a, a, a grown woman putting a cigar into a baby carriage. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, watch, watching this movie, though, I have to say one thing that really came to mind is that it made me sad that Dan O'Bannon only directed one more movie after this, because yeah. it's like every because because I mean, he's, there's plenty of good movies he's written, but it's like this is so well directed. The performances are great. The pacing's great. Everything about this is perfect. And his other movie, The Resurrected, which almost nobody has seen, is really it. good too. It's it's a it's an adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft's novel, The The Case of Charles Dexter Ward, and oh, it's really? it's it's one of the best Lovecraft movies there is. You know, which there aren't really that many good ones, but it is. I haven't seen it since the early '90s, but you know it. Nobody watched it. it. I think it pretty much went straight direct to video, but it's like, I don't know. Return of the Living Dead was successful. Why didn't he get more directing jobs after I this? I think probably because it was like, so weird. It was such a weird movie. Do you know what maybe. I mean? And know. it was pretty it's transgressive, probably. too. Like, it was, yeah. it was not, it was not a, because uh, I mean, that was also like an era of, you know, um, uh, just different politics, different social mores, and I feel like this movie yeah. stomped all over them. One of the things that actually, I think, I know I've mentioned this in other podcasts before with us, but like, I have this, I don't know what I would call it, like the, the, the horror movie made by a psychopath is what I usually call it, where it's like the, 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 the movie just has total disregard for your expectations and your morality. Do you know what I mean? It's almost, yeah. it relishes the fact that it's painting a world where people that do things that are bad maybe get rewarded and people that do things that you think are good get punished and mm -hmm. and things don't work out the way that you expect them and the camera focuses on things you don't want it to focus on it's that kind of a thing where the the director kind of knows he has you and he's sort of playing with that if that makes sense and it's sort of you know you yeah. know i know i know you think that you're a good person but i'm going to i'm going to like you know force you to watch this sort of deliberately trashy film and you're gonna like it anyway you know what i mean it's that kind of a thing um yeah and i don't know i just always found those movies uncomfortable like i found that like i i i felt like a sense of like i shouldn't be enjoying this movie do you know what i mean as a kid especially <laughs> do you know what I mean? um <laughs> but but i don't know but i think that's something that makes the movie work there's like a i don't know there and i think that's maybe why adam you were saying it's like a 
punk movie that doesn't piss off punks because it's got yeah. it's got it's it's got a rebelliousness to it. Like even in, like in the way like in the way that it depicts authority figures, like there is a colonel right who launches the nuke, but he's kind of a he's kind of a farce in a way, right? Like he's kind of yeah. like he's not. And and there's something really ridiculous about him going home to his house in California, I think, and his wife sort of worrying about these mundane <laughs> issues as he's like, as he's the one that's responsible for finding these canisters that could unleash a plague of zombies on the people, and yeah, and then and then also he's just kind of like casually, you know, sending the message that launches a uh, launches a nuke into a major city, <laughs> you know, it, it's there's. Yeah, it's oh man. Yeah, the tone of this movie is just perfect. Yeah. I, uh, everything about it, because I mean, uh, I mean, because there's a real level of comedic stylization to it, but it never it never gets in the way of, of things actually having an effect. Because I mean, most horror comedies do wrong is they use the horror, the comedy to undercut the horror. It's yeah. like oh, this is just a joke, but this movie never does that. No, the <laughs> joke like. Oh, go it ahead. Blurs the line between the comedy and the horror yes. so much that sometimes the same thing is both. Yeah, like, I've never. How many movies do that? <laughs> it's oh, not many, well, and I think most of them are Dan O'Bannon movies. Yeah, yeah he is the expert. Well, like yeah. the send more paramedics sec- section. That that's like it's a it's a one liner, but it's also terrifying. Like the uh, you know it, it's it's done in, it's done in a com- and it's done in like a comedic and a terrifying tone. He has this bo- this terrible awful voice that's scary, but he's got a there's like a comedic timing to how he's saying it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, so it's it, I, I always think of that scene when I back when I'd play Grand Theft Auto when you'd have a scene and you're just like you'd like start shooting people like the paramedics the ambulance show up you kill the ambulance people which would cause more ambulances to come and you just kind of have those tanks that's, this, yeah. that's what this is it's just like a black hole of anybody that shows up to help just gets devoured yeah. by them because there's not yeah. enough brain in the world to satisfy their needs it's it's uh. And and also when you do see one of the main characters turn into a zombie, it's yeah. just that's even done a little bit comedically. It's like, oh, I I now see the one thing I need, you know, <laughs> live brains, and he you know tries to eat her, and then the rest of the movie is him chasing her and Ernie in the in the the the, the mortician's office. Um, but then you get to see Frank go another director direction, yeah, which I thought was kind of cool. I, Especially on this viewing, that uh, the the potency of that scene, it, it's done comedically. Like they're playing, they're playing what I would call almost like rock and roll religious music in the background as he's sacrificing himself. But mm-hmm. it, I don't know, it worked. It worked yeah. in a weird way, and it works that the goofiest character in the movie, the least competent, the most hysterical, but also like maybe the mo- the least harmful in general, like the least nefarious, is uh, yeah, the one who sacrifices. He's a fairly likable guy, despite him being kind of a goof. And it's, yeah, yeah it just gives him a little nobility there at the end. So, <laughs> Well, so. I would say, and I would even say a lot because they, they, they really, number one, they take a lot of pains to explain just how hot that furnace is and like how they're really, tur- you know, they got to turn I it know. off to get rid of like, cause the heart is there. And so, you know, you, you have this understanding of what the, the, the cremation process is and, uh, and and also there's a line earlier in the movie where he says, "Oh, I can, you know, I can, I can run that thing. We don't need him to do yes. it." You know I mean? Yeah. And how they bring that back, like they, th- this movie, very, 
it lays most of its groundwork really well so that when something happens later, they established why that happened. There was like a logical connection. So you know, oh, Frank can Frank can manage this thing. He knows how to do it. So when he pushes that button, it's not yeah. like, oh, they just made it up that he just figured it out on the fly. No, he knew how to he knew how to operate the thing. Oh yeah. Um, Th- this movie stays a step ahead of the audience. Like it's really smart and like I just you don't expect that from a movie where a a, a tar man zombie <laughs> emerges from like a government canister and his first word is brains. Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> and then, then he, more he brains, right? To fight it. Yeah, oh god. It's it's and, so it's amazing, like, that it's so smart, and it goes to such kind of trashy depths, mm-hmm. you know? Like, there's the, there's the stripping in the cemetery scene, which is a classic. And her, I gotta say, and, her her delivery on the line, I forget what she says, but, like, what's the most horrible way to die? And she's just, like, her tone and her delivery, it sounds like a, like a disaffected youth. It's got that, that, do you know what I mean? She's got, like, yeah. that's what we sounded like when we were young talking about that stuff, you know? Yep. Yeah. The, yeah, it's a perfect teenage conversation there. Yeah. <laughs> and all, it, it's just, oh, ugh. yeah, I'm, I'm closer to teenage than you guys are. I'm not that close, but I'm still closer, and I remember being that. Oh, <laughs> I was, yeah. like, that full of myself and thought I was that, well, like, oh, I'm so smart, and no. Well, and idiot. the cemetery was like a hangout place when you were younger, too. Like, a lot of mm-hmm. kids hung out in the cemetery. I remember that. Maybe, yeah. maybe they don't do that anymore. I don't know. But that was like, you know, that, that seemed pretty, like, a that would be the place they would go to hang out. It kids are despicable for following the rules nowadays. <laughs> it's, it's below contempt. <laughs> when I was a kid, we, we, we used to hang out in the cemetery. We, 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 one time we broke into a chapel and played D&D in a chapel. That was, uh, mm-hmm. there was a chapel. That, that is some... That is some choice Satan work right there. Well, the devil smiles it, at that. That's the thing. It wasn't even satanic. We were none of us were, you know, <laughs> into any of that stuff. We just liked the idea of going into this chapel that was in the cemetery and playing D anD. d You're performing it. Wiccan rituals, not <laughs> satanic you were rolling rituals. The no, dice. It was just. It was just the. We just wanted the atmosphere for D anD. d That was the. Uh, yeah. That, that was the. The reason. Exactly. Um, That's the uh, whole thing with cemeteries. It's like, ooh, we're somewhere deep and meaningful. <laughs> but but i don't know i i I thought that uh you know i but but again i could appreciate sort of like the 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 rebelliousness of breaking into the cemetery but 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 then once you actually get to know the characters they're basically like these wholesome characters really they're friends you know they 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 have moral compasses they're not you know even suicide you know for all his you know (laughs) extreme behavior you know is sort of uh, generally pointed in the right direction um, also, I, I think that, you know, they did a good job of pairing up the punks so that you had these pairs of punks that mm. were kind yeah. of together and, uh, yeah, their chemistry was great. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, you know, going back to my comment about like, you know, it's a movie that it's, it's a good one as far as punks go. Cause it's like, it felt like in so many movies, like if they put a punk in a movie, they were just like a generic like violent thug which was yeah. like not really what the punk scene was like particularly in any way so this this was closer to home not that dan o'bannon would have been part of that scene or anything but it, it works it works pretty well yeah well i think a lot of that too was the casting as well 
the cast yeah. really helped. Yeah, you're right. He let the he let the it, there probably was an influence to the actors on the way it, it all worked. Because like because yeah. visually, like I don't know much about punks. That wasn't my scene, but like I, I know like one of the punks looked kind of like a new wave type guy, not somebody that I would have thought oh, of. Oh yeah, as, you know, definitely. There was there like a mix of people going yeah. on, and, and one of the yeah. girls didn't look punk at all. She looked like the goody two shoes in the group. But I thought that that all kind of actually worked because it you it did you you can imagine. Were, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, the, the, the weirdo kids in the 80s usually all hung out together. I mean, you'd have, yeah. like, the punks and the hippies and the metal kids would all kind of know each other because they were all the ones that, <laughs> you know, it's it's like, yeah, it's like if you were going to the fringe groups, it's like, well, the other people, you, you, if you were one of the weirdos, you, you were perfectly fine talking to the other people in that group or you know, it's that girl who was hanging out with them who dressed normal. It's like, yeah, well, you know, it, it, yeah, that 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 was believable to me. And, uh, and yeah, so yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else we want to cover before we, you know, give any parting thoughts on this one? And we talked about everything. Just reiterate that if you can find the movie The Resurrected by Dan O'Bannon, the other movie he directed, which seems to have disappeared from the face of the earth, if you can oh, find really? it, watch. It. Because it's my based on my memories from 1991, at least it's, it's very enjoyable. I, I recommend it. Uh, I think that's pretty much everything I have to say about it. I mean, like I I could probably like sit here and break down the movie scene by scene because it's one of those movies where there's no fat on this movie. No, you know it's it's beautiful. Like I want to watch every scene of this movie again. It's just mm-hmm. that entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but get- like. Probably there's diminishing returns on that. Just go watch the damn movie. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen this movie a bunch of times, and it doesn't really. I mean, I don't watch it like every year or anything crazy like that. But I've seen it enough, and it gets it. It doesn't really get worse with age or anything. I find. Um, no. I, this was actually my most. I thought I enjoyed it this time more than any other time because I had greater appreciation of the genre maybe at this point mm-hmm. in my life. Whereas when I was younger, I obviously didn't. And I think the last yeah. time I saw it was like 2008 and. You know, there have been developments in the genre and we've seen more zombie movies now on even on this podcast so but um you know i i guess the one thing i would probably mention one thing i want to say is ernie's whole thing about the rigor mortis i thought was a nice touch in the movie his speech about uh-huh. that i don't know why uh-huh. that i've always remembered that even from like when i was a kid watching it that scene where yeah. he explains how rigor mortis works and how you can work it out by flexing the muscles but also how that he talks about how it starts in the brain and it spreads and how that connects with how the characters who are dying get like a headache, and then like, do you know what I mean? It's like, and then yeah. they, it's it just I I like that the way those two things connect, and I like how those two characters are just in an intolerable pain the last twenty minutes or so before they turn. Um, yeah, you know, where and it's comedic. It's like they're moving them around, and they're like, ah, they can't. You know, they're trying to they're trying to position their arm, and they're it's all this like slapstick comedy, but also horrifying. And it, you know, it kind of embodies all the stuff we've talked about with the comedy and the horror. Um, but yeah, I'd say, you know, go check, check this one out if you haven't seen it. Um, I, I'm going to go on record. I think this is the best zombie movie ever made. For me, this is the best. If you only see one zombie movie, this is the only one that you would that you would need to see, in my opinion. And I think, uh, um, you know, that's probably a controversial choice. I know there's a lot of people. It is. That... I mean, like. Ooh, that's a tough one. Is this the best zombie movie ever made? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I can't, I can't, I would put it in the category, a tie mm. category with best. Like it's, mm. 
I think I think it is in different ways as good as Night of the Living Dead or or yeah. you know Dawn of the Dead. They're those which are well, all, let, you know. Let me ask you this: Would you want to rewatch Night of the Living Dead over and over I would again? I rather or rewatch this. this. That, yeah. That's a different yeah. category, yeah. but yeah, for the most rewatchable, I just want to sit down again and watch mm. one of these mm. movies again. Yeah, mm. Night of the Living Dead is great if someone's never seen it before. I love yeah. watching yeah. Night of the Living Dead because they're always amazed. This old '60s horror movie is so horrifying. Yeah, it's, it's a, a good movie, but it's not one I feel like I want to watch myself a lot. I've, I've gotten everything there is to get out of it. I, and but, I guess that's what I'm saying yeah. is this is the I enjoy this song. Like I could watch yeah. this one endlessly. Night of the Living Dead is a great movie. I really enjoy Night of the Living Dead. It's yeah. just that it's not one that I want to like. It's a little bit of effort to sit down and watch it. I'll put it that way because you know you're in for a little bit of a longer viewing and all that. And also. It's one of these movies where once the mystery's gone, it's not the same as the first viewing. Or at the very yeah. least, you need time to kind of forget some of the elements so that they feel new when you watch it again. Um, yeah. But with this movie, there's so many little things that you can kind of pick up on that it's always enjoyable to to watch and, and sort of observe. Um, but yeah, so I, I would definitely... I mean, for me, it's the number one zombie movie that I would I would recommend. Um, hey, and it's it's in the category. I'm I'm with I'm with Adam on this one. It's not the best. It's but it's probably tied for the best uh, yeah. with like stuff like Night of the Living Dead. And I think in terms of the most rewatchable, yeah, I could watch this movie probably once a week for the rest of my life and enjoy it every time. But, <laughs> it yeah. really is amazing. It, there's and, something about this movie. Yeah, I don't think your opinion's really controversial, Brandon. It's like it's this is this is good. I mean, if someone tells me that's their the best zombie movie and that's their opinion, I'm like, yeah, fair. Yeah, that's fair. Totally yeah. fair. Well, and <laughs> the, 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 I can't really argue you. It's one of those movies that's like, yeah, because I mean, it's beautiful as a movie. It's beautiful as a synop of the genre. It's beautiful as a definer of the genre. Uh-huh. It's amazingly, it's it's terrible. It's incredible as a horror movie. It's terrifying. It's incredible as a comedy movie. It's a cut up. Like this movie has everything. Yeah. And I think the dialogue in the movie really is one of the things oh, yeah. that for me works really well. But the yeah. the other thing too that makes this movie significant that's worth just worth watching and not why it should be number 1 or anything like that is is all the firsts in it, the brains, the oh, running yeah. zombies, the talking uh-huh. zombies, you know, like this is like this is the movie where like I I don't know for sure but I'm pretty sure most of those were like first done in this film. The totally invincible zombie that you can't kill by braining it. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, you know, it, you know, it's, it's uh, I mean, these are the, these are the toughest, there's, I don't think there's any zombies that are quite at this level of indestructibility. Um, no. So, but yeah, so again, you know, it's, you know, it is an 80s movie, like Adam was saying, so there's a lot of 80s elements to it. Um, but, uh, and, and I don't know, was this one, this was one we had to rent on Prime, right? That was, it was a rental? I believe so. Yeah. I watched it a week ago, so I'm a little rusty, but I think it was okay. your rental. So, all right, well. We'll uh, we'll uh, we'll end it there, and um, we'll be back on. I don't know, sometime in the near future. With I don't I don't know if we're gonna be doing zombies or something else next time, but we'll. Uh... I think I think that was the last great zombie movie. I think we have to move on to a new genre now. Yeah, okay. I think we're ready. Genre. Yeah, ready okay. All right. Yeah, I'm kind of feeling the itch to go into other types of movies too. Myself. <laughs> we we've uh, gone through the army of zombies. Now it's time for something different. Yeah. Now we need like demons or something. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of. But, yeah. All right. So we'll head out and we will talk to you later. Bye.